Hello, Vineyard. Hello, Vineyard. Welcome. Thanks for being a part of our weekly podcast. Uh, in case you didn't know, of course you do, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm Doug. Steve. Uh, we, we are actually related. Yes. In, in, you know, father, yeah. son. Yes, that's how it works. C- can you guess which one of us is the father? <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and just so we, while I think of it, because I might forget later, because I am the father and I forget stuff. Uh, it is a weekly podcast, although next week we're not going to podcast. Right. Because uh, I'm actually going to be at a conference, and um, we have a big wedding going on that day here at the church. Some it of the couple of the... Kurt Dorfel and Micaiah Underwood's wedding is a week from, well, when this is broadcasting, a week from today. Wednesday, yes. So that one wedding, I believe, is getting live streamed on their wedding page. Oh. We might shoot it over to the church page, too. So if you are looking at what's going on at church, there might be something. Yeah. But, you know, it's a wedding. Um, but, yeah, and what's cool is this weekend, uh, you know, Kurt and Kimberly's brothers are going to be in town, the ones who used to play music. So uh, we'll all be doing worship all weekend. So if you're watching online, you'll definitely want to check out the, the live stream of that. It's going to be great. Uh, we're, we're all excited about it. It's like, you know, the old days. When we call old days, you know, like 2011, 2012. <laughs> which, but, I mean, that's eight or nine years ago now. Yeah. You know, 2011 was ten years ago. Yeah. That's crazy. Good, good math skills. Thank you. You're welcome. I can do subtraction. Yeah, and it's the... A lot of Kimberly's brothers were in um, were in a two-year sort of mentoring process with me. Uh, I took them through the institute, and they earned associate's degrees in Bible. And uh, a couple of them now uh, that are are actively working at a church. So they, they work uh, at a Life Point Church in Smyrna, Tennessee, and they actually have a few campuses. And yeah. you know, uh, Ed and Ben are the ones that work there, and they will actually go to different campuses at different points and doing different things. You know, Ben is involved in their production elements and stuff and coordinating volunteers. And Ed makes uh, these cool videos. So but, like, that's what they're doing now. Yeah, so good. I, I'm happy, though, to see them plugged in uh, and, you know, working at a church. And uh, and that's good. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's just one of those yeah, those things I get I look forward to, uh, to seeing, you know, how they're doing and where God takes them on their journey and what ministry looks like for them in the future. So, And, you know, yeah, it's, it's fun getting to play with them again. There was, you know, a time where we were playing music, you know, like every day. <laughs> and then it, right. it, it sort of stopped and everybody grew up a little bit. So to be able to come back and jam. But wait, this probably isn't the last time. No, we, we, you know. Well, their parents live here. So, yeah, so they'll, they'll, be, they'll be floating but, in But it is hard to coordinate this many adult units. Yeah, so sure it is. Well, they're coming for a wedding. Certainly special. But, you know, we had Ed uh, on the team not that long ago. A couple months down. ago, yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. visited. And so... It'll be good. I'm looking forward. Well, I'll be here for the weekend to see it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That'll be fun. It's going to be good. And uh, this week, the the questions are uh, small in quantity, but not in quality. Yeah, I just got a couple of questions this week. I think uh, a lot of my, uh, well, a couple of our students, I know we're on vacation, and some are just got, some are about to get married, and uh, others... uh, just busy and, and didn't send me questions. So that's okay. Uh, and, you know, anybody can ask questions. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, yeah. you can go to the Vine Press questions on the app and whatever right. Bible question he's happy to answer. And now you've got two weeks to come up with questions. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully they'll, next time we get back together, we'll have lots of questions. But it's okay. You know, I just figure we'll take what God gives us and, and uh, I can talk about next week 
what's coming up because I'm very excited about the series we're in. And, uh, and you know, when I, I sort of get very little questions like this, I think, well, either the message was so well presented and thought out that there were no questions left for anyone. That's what my wife says. Or uh, everybody's like, really? <laughs> Instead of, are you ready? It's, are you serious? Really? So, see, one of those things, and you know, that's the way it goes. So, it's okay. Actually, of the two questions, one sort of relates to the message. Uh, one little point of the message. And the other one is just a general thing. So. Both are good. And yeah. yeah, like, you know, you can do anything, whether it's your devotionals, whether it's just a, hey, I've always wondered this. Yes. Or, you know, relating to the sermon, they're all going to be answered. If well, we send them in, the best to the best of our ability, to, to the best, yeah. Like, with, you know, with a, I, you know, I'm not. Uh, I don't always get it right either. I will toss out some of my opinions on things, and you know, then you can pray over them. But anyway, without further ado, uh, we'll get into our questions for today. Uh, this past week, this person was on vacation. They were reminded by two different individuals that Christians are the main reason that those people didn't want anything to do with Christianity. <laughs> Have you noticed this trend as well, and how do you bridge a gap like that? Yeah, um, absolutely. We, unfortunately, the church has uh, shot itself in the foot a lot of times in in the way that we go about things. Um, you know, not all of it, but but folks, some some are. Um, and there's different things that you, you sort of run into. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people have had bad sort of encounters with either the church or with people representing the church. And um, it leaves a, um, it, it's a, it becomes a reason why they don't really want anything to do with church. Now, let me say, sometimes these offenses are, they're minor-ish, but people are looking for a reason to kind of not um, press in to the, the Lord. And so... Um, so they'll they'll hold on to those and they'll become bigger than they probably should be. Other times they're they're significant enough. You know, I, I think one of the things that we have done, unfortunately, and I, you know, I'll talk about the church and and um, in general, is that we have become um, very sort of uh, well, the world perceives us to be judgmental and critical about everything, and we we've earned some of that, and it's caused us issues. And the the fallout has been. You know, I've often explained it this way. It's kind of like um, some years ago, the, the culture kind of muted us out of their existence. And what they did, how they did that was they got us out of lots of things. And, um, so, you know, we don't want you in the schools. We don't want you in government. We want to see you here. We don't want to see you here. We don't want to see you here. And they sort of compartmentalized us to you can kind of do your thing on Sunday, but don't bother us. And uh, that was in response to, I think, what they often felt was being the church being judgmental and critical. Now, how do we how do we move into holding a standard? Because the scripture, you know, there's an absolute in scripture, and yet not come off as judgy and critical. And I think what happened was we we stopped loving well. That's always the biggest issue. We just forgot that that was really. What we're supposed to be doing is is that God still loves the world, and we're supposed to be loving the world well. And they're a big mess, because and we should understand that because we've come out of that ourselves. We're a big mess, right? The only difference is that the grace of God, we know Jesus, and and so um, we have to be careful of our tendency to not sort of get rescued and then get mean to everybody else. And uh, this has become uh, sort of a, an issue. And yes, 
a lot of times in ministering to people or reaching out to people, we have to overcome these past hurts, either with the church or with someone representing the church, who said sort of, you know, mean things. Or they've just been kind of so off base that they, they couldn't be related to. And, and, and so I, I find that all the time. Yes, you know, you, have I noticed it? It's a, it's a long-going trend. Um, and I think the way ultimately that we, we get past that, we overcome that, is we get back to loving well. And so we just learn to love people well. Um, uh, you know, instead of trying to force things on people, force our ideas, uh, we, we need to love them well because of who we are in Christ and, and let them start moving towards us, asking us. And that's a shift that um, we, we have to kind of learn over time. The Holy Spirit really has to try and teach us that. Because I think when we come to know Jesus and love Jesus, um, we desperately uh, we want to... Uh, let everybody know Jesus and love Jesus. And uh, they're, they're going to be ahead in our camera shot. Yeah, it's okay. That was Pastor Georgina who just walked right in front of the camera. And now she's that, embarrassed. Now she's embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. But that's okay. She'll never do that again. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if it showed up on the shot because she is it was, it was, a little short. But it was probably yeah, a little bit of a head. I know, you okay. probably got a little yeah, head he, in there. That reminds you of that Mike Myers he, movie. Yeah, he ate fruit on a toothpick. <laughs> That's only funny because I used to tell him that all the yeah. time. <laughs> when I was growing up, TVs were like this big. But here's the thing. My kids, they play these you know, video games, the, the Nintendo and the Minecraft. I have a 65-inch TV at home. Yeah. That, you know, they're, they're affordable now, yeah, so yeah. people like me can get one. But they're still about this far away from the screen. Yeah. And, I mean, they jump up and down the whole time. And so I will say, heed! You can't see it. It's funny, yeah. Heed! Get your heed out of the way. Anyway, uh, so where was I? Now I com- Speaking on that, I've- always be motivated by love. Well, that's, that's I, I know, and I've, I've got time to answer this question, so I, I want to keep going. Um, that's what we have to get back to, loving well. What does it look like to love well? Let's be kind. Let's be compassionate. Let's, um, let's stir up people to the point that they ask questions of us so that we can respond with the good news. I know what I was saying. You know, we desperately want people to know the good news because if you come to know Jesus, you, you want that for other folks. Um, that's just, that's in us. That's part of our makeup. It's part of our call. It's all those things. But it's, it's learning how to do that in a way where people can hear it and receive it, knowing that they've had some probably previous bad experiences in that thing. So that's, you know, all the outreach we do here. It's always about me, us thinking about how do we move past some of these barriers. And we do that by generosity and kindness and just going above and beyond what people expect um, without, a, without a catch. You know, there's, not a, it's not, there's nothing in it other than here's generosity and kindness. That's all we're trying to do. So, um, so you know, we'll, we'll continue to do those things. And I would just encourage you to do that. Well, people that you, that you find that, that bump again, just figure that out and begin to pray. Obviously, that's your biggest weapon. Start to pray for them. And then pray that, that you'll have opportunities that are led by them, driven by them. They ask questions that you can then answer. And uh, that just works better, I think, than, than trying to get it in. So you bridge that gap with love. Check your motivations, right? Talked about that a bit. You know, it's, I think as people, I can digress because I have time. Um, when they start thinking about what I talked about last weekend, if you didn't watch it, you should go and watch it, because it sets a foundation for this series about our hope. That the motivations in our culture, the main ones, are, you know, moved because of sin and death, are greed and fear. Uh, greed and sin and fear and death, right? And that you start seeing it everywhere, and I gave some um, ideas of it. Um, but 
I've had people ask me, I, I may talk about that this week, I'm not sure, on Sunday. Um, how come I don't preach uh, fire and brimstone? Really? People have asked you that? They come up straight up and ask me, and, and suggest it. You know, you need that. That really gets people... And here's my response, and I get it, and I'm not judging places where that happens. That's, that's between them and God. That's not my call. But as, and for me, I just have to deal with how I feel like God is dealing with me. In my opinion, people that are scared into the kingdom don't make great disciples. What they sort of end up generally being, at least at first, is pretty good rule followers, but that makes them critical and kind of judgy, and they, they miss the love part. And, and so I, I think they're set up to sort of fall back under legalism real quick. And think about it and pray about it, and you can, you can agree or disagree with me. But people who are loved into the kingdom, I think they make much better disciples because we don't have to break that mess off of them. They come in knowing that it's a love thing, that they didn't deserve it, couldn't earn it, can't perform well enough. It's just because God loves them and he loves them the way they are that then Holy Spirit is, uh, is changing them from the inside out. And so it makes a complete difference. So um, I think we have to even be careful in the church that we don't use the culture's tricks, tactics, which are from the enemy, to try and accomplish our end. Um, and so, you know, that would be one of those things. I don't want to scare people into the kingdom. Um, you know, another uh, thing that I think about, and I'll, I'll be very careful with this, how I say this. Um, people ask me why I don't teach much about giving. And I think it gets into this same discussion. Because if we're not careful, we can, we can try and teach from one of those two ends. Either we, we push greed buttons, which say, you know, if you, get, if you give, then you get. And that's a pretty popular teaching uh, in a lot of circles. Not, not how I teach, but that, that you give to get. And the other one is that if you don't give, God's going to get you. Uh, <laughs> and, and these are unfortunately motivations for a lot of people giving in the church. And again, we get back to what should the motivation for giving be? Love. Has to be motivated out of love. And so uh, I, uh, when I talk about, I actually talk about giving all the time. I just talk about being generous. And then we model it um, because we think that's what it's all about. You'll hear me say, thank you, church, for being generous because that's, the, that's behind the motivation of giving. And there's a freedom in it because when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're giving, and, and I, I believe you should be given. I, I did a teaching, I think you can find it on the website. It's called, um, if you're interested in it, because I don't do it very often, it's called Act Your Wage. And uh, uh, I, I lay it out there, but the motivation is, it's a love-based motivation that there's something about connecting with kingdom living and getting God's perspective on it that's really freeing. Uh, and, and, and if you come at it from different angles, then all of a sudden, if you, the culture has convinced people, some people, to live way beyond their means, their wage. They're living not at 100% of their wage. They're living at 130% of their wage, 140% of their wage. And, and the fear and greed dynamic has got them buying things that they don't need, thinking they have to have them. They've, they've misunderstood needs and wants. And, and um, it's gotten them in a financial mess. So then if the... the church comes in behind that and says, you know, you've got to give 10% and they scare them into it or whatever. Now you've got people who are already overstretched who are thinking, oh, I've got to come up with another 10% or God's going to be angry at me. Where does it come from? And I, when I talk about it in that term, I, that's what you, you need to be heading towards the place where you are free to be able to give to God 10%. I think that's a reasonable spot. And certainly should be beyond that when you're really free. That, that's no longer an issue. You, you can do that. But it's because you've 
gotten a hold of those other situations in your life. You're not spending money that you don't have. You're not using credit to buy things that you really don't need. Um, and you, you start to get those things under control. And that as you do, you then begin to live at a place where the 90% or, or this is, is enough. Um, and that's freedom. See, that's kingdom living. That's, a, that's what we're heading towards. But it has to come in a way that is motivated from a generous heart. Or it's just going to be something that, that uh, people resent or are using it to try and have something else happen. And then they're going to be disappointed and then resentful. So um, all these things that I'm talking about factor in to what's going on in our lives. And, uh, and so I hope that's very helpful and freeing. I think it should be freeing. I, you know, giving should be a freeing thing. It's a really should be a... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, you celebrate, when you give, you're celebrating the goodness of God. Uh, and, and so there's, some, there's a joyous thing in that. So it shouldn't be based in fear or greed, just in, it's like breathing. It's, you know, just one of those aspects of life that's very cool. Awesome. All right, uh, moving along. Uh, this person would like an explanation on uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Paul doesn't, assi- Paul doesn't seem to agree with what you said in your sermon that both Adam and Eve were responsible for eating the forbidden fruit, since he said Adam was not deceived. What does it mean she will be saved in childbearing? And the verse they're referencing, do you want me to read it, or would you like to read it? You go ahead. Go ahead and read okay. the passage from 8 through 15. All right, so this is uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Uh, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Yeah, so... So wonder why Paul was single. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not. I'm not laughing at that. Uh, this great question and great passage, and I I don't want to shy away from passage like this. These, these can be sort of. Uh, uh, this is one of those passages that people take, I think, way out of context, and make it say something completely different than it says. So I thought I would bring the whole passage up rather than the just. 14 and 15. Um, so let me get back to the first part of the question about Adam and Eve, because I, I said, as I, uh, as I was looking at Genesis at the fall, you know, that we're talking about Eve, and she says it was desirable, and blah, blah, and she take, and she ate, and then she gave to um, Adam, who was with her. My point was that Adam's just as much at fault, because the way that scripture reads in the Hebrew, he was right there. Now, um, what is Paul saying? What Paul is saying is, is this, is that Adam's sin is actually maybe even worse because he knew better. He wasn't deceived. He deliberately sinned. And the reason behind it, and, and all this ties into, uh, we're going to talk about learning in a minute, is that we know, we know that, that God was speaking to Adam directly. Yeah, obviously, he, but he was teaching Adam. Adam's job was then to teach what he was taught. That was part of his name even means that is what's supposed to be happening. And it looks like in this instance, he did not clearly tell Eve, although she knew because she kept saying, well, God did say, but she obviously hadn't taken it into the point that Adam had. And Adam was there and his silence was the issue because when he sinned, it was deliberate and he should have just stopped the whole thing. But I say that and, you know, we shouldn't do things that we shouldn't do. 
but we all do. All right, and we know better. And it's not, sometimes we're deceived, and sometimes we deliberately sin. There's a difference between the two, but it's all sin, and we shouldn't do it. So we, we need to be. That's why I was teaching about being aware of some of these deceptive tactics and the motivations behind them, so that you don't respond to them inappropriately. But when you're when you get that it's is it is it you know is it lust of the flesh is it lust of the eyes is it pride of life is it any of those things then you know is it fear and greed buttons that it's pushing or what's the what's the love response look like what does God's response look like let's go with that one that's always going to be right and, and so um, I, I believe that's you know Paul is kind of bringing it up in context of this passage and the the childbearing thing let me let me say this that uh, and we'll talk more about it in a second I'll look at these verses and kind of try and tell you what's going on but. Uh, there's a there's a thing about this being tied to the consequences of the fall. So vocationally, what Adam and Eve were were called to uh, originally, and and so our original vocation, and I, I call it this. You know, we were to partner with God, and we were ultimately going to go out and make the whole planet like Eden. Right? Eden was perfect. It was the garden. It was the cosmic temple, and the the planet was good, but not like Eden yet, because Eden had boundaries, and we were going to go and subdue it and make it. Like Eden. And, and the whole thing was, you know, we were called to be fruitful and multiply and go out and subdue the earth. Those were the callings. The consequences of the fall for Adam were about the subduing the earth part. Um, now, he's still going to go and be a gardener. He's just, it's not going to go easy for him. He's going to have weeds that fight him, thorns and thistles. It's going to be a uh, hard, sweaty job now because we've lost that sort of partnership role. And the be fruitful and multiply part has been changed for women. Because it's still going to happen. It's just not going to be what it was. Yeah. And, and so um, the saved in childbearing doesn't mean they're going to have kids and that's how they get saved. It's not, not a salvation issue. It just means um, that, that all this now is tied together. God is still going to be with us as we follow him. You know, but, but we still are dealing with fallout from the fall. Some people don't understand that. Like, does, does, uh, uh, as a believer now, when I go and plant something, does that mean I never have to deal with... with thorns or thistles or weeds anymore? Well, of course not. They're still there. It's part of the, part of the curse until Jesus comes back and restores the planet and then we don't have to do it. Same thing. God's with us, with women and child bearing, but it's not the way it was. At some point, it was not the painful, difficult process that it is now. It was completely different. Just like gardening, farming was a completely different process. It just worked. And, uh, I will say that farming's gotten a lot easier and I think childbearing is just as difficult. Because, I mean, have you seen some of the farming equipment now? They literally have, like, chickens on these conveyor belts. Yeah, and, and yeah, I understand that. But also think about the advances medically of, yeah. you know. A, I, a lot of times, yeah, in childbearing, women would die. It's much yeah. less common And it happens. So, yeah. But, you know, but now they can do things for pain and right. all that stuff. They can really mitigate a lot. I'm not, and plus, I haven't had a kid. So, please, no cards and letters. If you have any questions, I, I it's Douglaws at gmail.com. I was around it. <laughs> it was painful for me. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So, so we can't speak into that. I'm just trying to give you what's happening in the scripture and what it's related to. So, in in the context now, the greater context of what's happening here. Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy's in Ephesus. I want you to know that. Um, that's where this is going on. Ephesus um, has this big temple there to Artemis or Diana, depending on um, uh, which language you're looking at. But that it w- w- was a cult at the time that was completely women-driven. So the priests were women, and everything was happening, and that, that was Ephesus and what they were known for. Now, 
He's moving into that situation. He's addressing a small group because it's not, a, it's not like it's a huge church. In Ephesus, these, you know, these first churches were 20, 30 people maybe, you know, that started all over. It's just small churches. And they're dealing with issues. And the first thing he's trying to do is break down some stereotypes. And apparently the stereotype for men at this point in time in Ephesus is that they, they ang- they're arguing all the time about everything. And he says, look, I want you to quit that. I want you to lift up holy hands in prayer. Stop with the angering. Stop with all the anger and disputing. Quit it. That's a bad stereotype. That's not who you're supposed to be. Then he addresses another stereotype. This one is for women. I want women to dress modestly, decency, and propriety, not with braided hair, gold, or pearls, or expensive clothes. Um, it's, it's not saying that they can't do those things. It's just not to be the focus anymore. Just like men aren't supposed to be focused on being anger and disputing all the time there to pray. Women, yeah, different focus. Not that you can't do those things, but, but it, it's not to be the main thing like it was apparently at Ephesus. That's what everything was all about. But they're, they're to be dressed with good deeds, which um, is really about you know, um, impacting their world um, in, in you know, ways for God is what was supposed to be happening. Then, it goes on to verse 11, and this is one that I think is taken out of context all the time. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. So there's, this is leading up to the next one, which is even worse. Um, see, now, what I think this is all about is it's a call to the importance of um, women being able to learn. Not that, 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 and this submission is to the people who's ever teaching that point in time. Remember, you've got an upside-down culture where the, the, the women have been sort of in charge at Artemis and all those things, and now it's God where there's an equality there's a, between men and women. And that's what, that's what Paul teaches. He teaches there's no Jew or Greek, there's no male or female. We're equal. There's an equality with perhaps some different you know, roles that we do, which we've talked about here in the past. But it's an equality. And he's saying, because he draws in that thing, you know, that, that Eve was deceived because she hadn't learned, because Adam hadn't taught um, the way he was supposed to. So there's lots of room for all that problem. But what now needs to happen in the church is that women need to be learners just like the men. And they need to come into it and realize that they have to, all, all of them have a lot to learn about this whole thing. When he says, I don't permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, she must be silent. This is really in context towards what's happening there in Ephesus and because of the way the cult there was set up. And so he's flip-flopping it. I don't think it was forever and always because, uh, and for every situation, because he doesn't bring it into every situation. And Paul, um, there are a lot of women involved in Paul's ministry who are teaching and who are doing leadership sort of things. Uh, and then he goes into the Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. The woman who deceived him became... And I, just, and I already touched on that in the beginning of the question. Women be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love and holy. So we touched on that. But remember, you know, God... Paul is, is constantly lifting up women in, in the church. They were the first witnesses of the resurrection because, um, uh, you know, they first... It was Mary that figured it... You know, first one who saw Jesus... Um, uh, and by definition, being a witness of the resurrection, you can go and look this up. And you, you don't have to agree. Made you an apostle. Little a apostle anyway. Um, so I know we put different roles and attached roles to that. But by definition, that, that is a certainly workable definition. Um, and then, then in Romans 16, you've got women's apostles and deacons. Now, they could just be referring to resurrection uh, witnesses of the resurrection. But it's all to be... Um, uh, important. He he expects women to be praying and, and prophesying in the assembly. First Corinthians 11. Uh, and I said you know the whole thing already in Galatians 3. There is no male or female 
you know, slave or, or free, whatever. It's all the same. Um, in Luke, there's a story of uh, Mary of uh, Bethany sitting at the feet of Jesus. And, and, and what she's doing there, yeah, it's worship, but she's learning. She's a learner, and she... By that story being, and Jesus saying she's got the she's got it figured out. See her sister, what her sister was was upset about. She could have used some help in the kitchen, but she's actually saying that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Women, we're out here doing these things, and the men are in there learning. And Jesus, uh, uh, everybody needs to be doing this. It's about learning and and becoming disciples in order that they can go and do the things that God has called them to. And so, um, so I think you have to take all that in. Now, a lot of people would disagree with me, and that's okay. But um, but but I, I think you know we take that in and we understand that's what's going on here, and uh, you know and and in verse twelve the, the way it's translated another translation of that could be this uh, I don't mean to imply that I'm now setting up women as the new authority over men in the same way that previously men held authority over women, and and so you can look at verse twelve then differently it has it can be translated differently instead of. This whole statement. Well, hammer down, women yeah. can't do anything. Because it's not, it doesn't hold with the whole of Scripture. And um, so anyway, you just kind of think through that. And uh, I think that might be helpful. Those were great questions. It was. Great explanations. Thank you for the insight. That's why we do these shows. Always great to uh, hear your opinion on things that you, you know may or may not get to spend as much time on on Sunday mornings. You know, no. that, So that's the value of Yes. These podcasts is that more in-depth stuff. Um, so anyway, great questions. Next sermon, are you ready? Part two. I gotta ask, are you ready for? It? I am. I am, and uh, we'll build off last week the whole fear and greed idea, and then um, uh, we'll start talking more about how about create new creation. Remember, the series is about hope. And I need to bring in the ideas of new creation. And that one of the things that we'll go back and look at in the Old Testament, uh, particularly in Isaiah, is that with new creation, there is no greed and fear. And so we're going to start looking at how that works. And I said this last week. I think I'll make it more of a point this week. Is that when you come to know Jesus, in effect, now, you're supposed to be a small working model of new creation. Obviously, not perfect. but, But that's the reality of our lives. And so because fear and greed are not a part of the new creation, we need to be working hard on getting them out of our own lives. And it really does change everything. That, when love is your motivation, I promise you it will change so many things about your day-to-day life that, that you'll, uh, it impacts every area of your life. And so uh, we're going to dig uh, more into that. So I'll be spending time in Isaiah. I think I'm in Isaiah chapter 11 for most of it. Um, so if you want to read ahead. You can go there, but uh, but that will be the, the the bulk of it as we continue to press on. Really talking about hope, but having to set this groundwork um, uh, of fear and greed in place. I think to, my hope is that it really is going to set some people free. There's some, I think, great opportunities to be set free in lots of areas of your life. Awesome, going to be good. Uh, I've got the worship set here. Like I said, it'll be the the boys are back in town uh, with the couple extras. Uh, we're going to start off the set with the Matt. Are Redman we doing song. the boys are back in town? That'd be cool. The boys are back in town. We're starting off not with that, but um, Matt Redmond's here for you. It's uh, it's on the same record as Ten Thousand Reasons. We're not doing Ten Thousand Reasons, but we are doing that one. So uh, then the next one, uh, Ben, 
going to be playing acoustic guitar this weekend, and he's playing, uh, singing, leading, Build My Life. Love that song. And then uh, McKay is going to be joining us. She's technically an in-law, you know. She, I mean, she's going to be one. So Wednesday, yes. She gets to be up. Uh, she's doing the song we introduced last weekend called Your Nature by Carrie Job. And then uh, Ed will be on the keys. He's leading How Deep the Father's Love for Us. It's, uh, you know, our hymn for the set. And then uh, Kimmy's going to end with Revivals in the Air. So oh, is, I love that song. That's a great Revivals song. in the Air. That is our set for this Catch weekend. Catch it if you can. It's just annoying when somebody starts singing when you're trying to talk. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do that to you. He's moving on. (laughs) And on that note, (laughs) is that it? Are we done? I think uh, that's all the questions. We've given them, you know, a taste of the weekend. Okay. You know, our goal at the start of the set was to expand this this podcast because we only had two questions. And I think it has been expanded. Yes. And hopefully you haven't been bored in the process. No, we didn't want to bloat it. We just wanted to expand Expand it. Yes. Expound. And and remember, we won't be next week. No podcast. No meeting next week. But the wedding will be live streamed. So, yeah, um, yeah, you can check that out. Check that out if you want. Or, you know, watch it. I'm going to a a vineyard uh, leadership meeting in um, Phoenix. And that was scheduled before the wedding was scheduled. Otherwise, yeah, I would, I would, I would have been here for the wedding, but uh, unfortunately, they picked a date after I'd already. I need to be there, and I'd already made ticket arrangements. So, and I, it's important that I go um, for that. So, so uh, uh, I will be there, but back before the weekend. So, hopefully, God willing. That's how we do trips. It's yeah. sandwiched in between weekends. weekends. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I, I get to take a vacation in May, and yeah, we leave after church Sunday, and we come yeah. back. Friday. Just just because when one of we have a smaller staff, when yeah. one of us is gone on a weekend, it just over puts a lot on everybody else. They can do it. It runs that yeah. it will run, it will do everything it's supposed to do, but it makes it much more difficult on everybody else. So we try and avoid it wherever we can. And we kinda like being here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good place to be. It's fun here. This is a we're very blessed that we like to be here. Yeah. Okay, let's, uh, let's, yeah, let's After that, done. we've expanded enough. Again, Goodbye, Vineyard. Goodbye, Vineyard. God bless you See guys. you this weekend. Yes, Tune in. love you.